All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Corporate Critters Podcast. Today, we have the myth, the legend, the lady you all know and love, art by CDK, CDK herself, Karina Dorothy Krell. Karina, how are you? I am in perfect balance and equilibrium in this moment. We'll see tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> well you know what that that's better than i, I thought you were going to say in this moment but we'll see after you ask the first question no so, i yes. think i'll make it through just fine i'm i'm glad you didn't say that so okay so look tell the people here that don't know who you are which that's probably like one or two people tell the people who don't know who you are well who you are <laughs> Okay, so I am a renaissance woman. I do a little bit of everything. So I've got mediums under my belt that are very traditional, like oil painting and ceramics, printmaking, intaglio, screen printing, all kinds of different types and styles, uh, very formal techniques. And then I also do work that's very futuristic and is in virtual reality and using immersive technology. I'm an NFT artist and a lot of very ancient and very new practices combined. And the subject matter is very deep in meaning. So I use esoteric geometry, physics, spirituality, and I'm a performer as well. So I literally do a little bit of everything, all of the art forms. And then I'm just as equal an artist as a businesswoman. So a lot of things. But see, let, let's not be modest here because you've talked about the painting and the artwork, but, and then you touched on, I do a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. What is that little bit of everything? You're a singer. Mm -hmm. I'm a singer. I play instruments. I, I play piano and viola. I'm working on my debut album. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm publishing my first official book which is not a children's book because i do have a children's book out but um this is called thank you damn it it's a radical gratitude book and it was my it's karina's corona diary i started it january 1st 2020 so it's radical gratitude okay radical. what is radical gratitude so it's like really easy to be grateful when it's like someone's handing you a check or, you know, you get an A plus on an assignment or somebody hands you a plate of food. It's so easy to be like, oh, thank you so much. Like, yay, I'm so grateful for my life. Um, but it's harder to be grateful in the moments where like someone dies or there's a worldwide pandemic or you lose your corporate job or whatever it is. Um, radical gratitude is making the choice in those moments to practice gratitude and say thank you and draw consciousness and awareness to what is happening, even though it's not what I wanted. Um, you know, so that's to me the most important thing. It's one of the core values of my company, radical gratitude. Uh, and you started it during the pandemic. So what what specific event made you say, okay, I need radical gratitude other than the pandemic, right? So I actually started my radical gratitude practice right as I graduated college. So it was previous, it was prior to the pandemic. It was summer 2019. 
I was homeless. Like I found myself without a place to live and I had $50 left after graduating college. So I traded for a diploma and I did not have any loans or any debt, but I broke even. Um, and I just kept reminding myself of that, like, dang, I'm, I did a little bit better of breaking than breaking even. I have 50 bucks. <laughs> you know? um, so I started practicing radical gratitude then, and I started bringing awareness. And you know, it's, so, it's actually quite beautiful. Um, it's the only video I ever deleted off of YouTube, but I had made a video to myself of a mantra that I invented at that time. And it's funny because it's literally written right here, like just by happenstance, I'm open to this page. But my mantra was, I am the world's savviest and most successful business person. And I was sitting in the mirror crying, like saying that mantra. And so I deleted with $50. With 50 bucks in the back, with all of my belongings. <laughs> in the back of like a room in my friend's house which they took me in and let me live with them um and i began journaling like i am grateful for this i am grateful for that i am grateful for this i am grateful for that and then i filled up that book and it became a song book as well i started writing my poetry and my i wrote songs that i was learning and the chords and the lyrics and drew pictures and then that just was my journal. Um, and then the next year I had two of the same physical notebooks. So the next book that I started, which happened to be on January 1st, was my practice. And so I ended up documenting a whole year and the pandemic and everything with, um, you know, Kobe Bryant's death and George Floyd and the protests breaking out and you know different pages for different things and some of them are dated some of them are not it, i bounced around so it's very uh ethereal and some of the pages actually include the book from 2019 my original gratitude practice which i ended up calling abundance consciousness because like we were talking about before we went live it's all about shifting from scarcity mindset to abundance mindset and so that's what I was doing in that moment. Uh, but a lot of things happened in between me picking up that pencil initially. Man, you're making me really think back, actually, because what made what really prompted me to start the book was, you know, like I look back at my life and um, there have been such divine spirit guides through my life. And it's remarkable because, you know, I didn't realize the propensity of that at the time, but now I do. And uh, moving forward, I always will. But have you ever heard of the book, The Untethered Soul? No, I've not heard of that one. It's a really popular one. It was one of Oprah's like favorite things one year. Um, it's by author Michael Singer. And this is really funny to me. Okay, so my last innovation class, I got my minor in innovation and entrepreneurship at the University of Florida. My last class was in this classroom donated by Michael Singer. So Michael Singer had um, has a bunch of land near where I went to college. 
and he wrote this book and I had begun reading the book and I would go to his land because he runs something called Temple of the Universe and he gives Mikey's talks. And so I would go to Mikey's talks and this is just like 20 minutes from where I was living. Um, but people travel the whole world to come to him. So, you know, he's one of those spiritual leaders. Like he, like Oprah turns to him, you know, like he, he's very awakened and we're having this talk one night. Uh, it was a very intimate night. It was just a few people. And I had started my gratitude journal and I brought it with me and I asked him a question because it was question answered conversational style. And I just said, you know, what advice do you have for me starting this book? I feel like people need to hear my story. I want to help people. I'm on this awakening path. Like, what do I do, Mikey? And he just said to me, like, you don't have to worry about how you publish it. One, just you just keep drawing. You just focus on you. Don't focus too much on helping other people or guiding other people. You just do what is right for you. And in the right moment, someone will say, have you ever thought of publishing this? And then you, you know, you'll work with them. And he stopped and he just looked at me and he put his hand on his heart and he just looked at me in the eyes. And I put my hand on my heart and we were just silent and we had a heart to heart like that. And it was the first time I'd ever felt really, really, really seen. Like, yeah. Well, and, and you know, a lot of people talk about divine intervention in life. And I think we all have a series of divine interventions that occur. You know, you think back when you were young and you said, oh, boy, I just did something real stupid. How did I survive that? Or, you know, and it almost not saying that you did something stupid. But what I'm saying is it reminds me of that when you graduated with you graduated from college. Here you are. You've got fifty dollars to your name. You have friends that take you in. They didn't have to, but they took you in. Mm -hmm. Now you have this chance meeting with this one person. You've already started journaling and now you continue journaling and you don't know how you're going to get the book published or if it's going to be published, but you think that the world needs to hear your story. And now what, almost two, maybe three years later, you're about to publish the book that kind of manifested itself three years prior. And it's so many more divine moments than even just that, because, you know, the whole time it's like you look at it and it's a beautiful, beautiful story. And I always say that, like, my whole life is art. Like my whole life is in, is a performance, but from the core, like performance in the sense that I am embodying myself and that's true performance. It's not acting. I'm not playing a role. I'm just myself. I'm channeling energy and I'm a conduit to divine energy. And that is art. And the fact that every day I was waking up and going to this classroom that he bought and I didn't even make the connection until the end of the semester. I saw the sign that said by like donated by Michael Singer. And I was like, what, you know, um, the fact that I had already been writing the book and the morning after George Floyd had been murdered, I reached out to try to get a hold of Michael because I felt so lost. And I, ended up talking with um, his assistant, her name's Karen. 
and we talked for so long and she's this awakened soul and she became like an, an additional guide to me. And the, some, someone pointed out to me actually like, wow, $50 is such a theme in your life. And I didn't realize how, but it's like, when I was five years old, I sold my first painting and it was for $50. Oh, wow. And so I was five and I made that money and then I graduated and it was all the money I had left you know, and things like, things like that, like big, several more times that $50 has been um, relevant to me. And so just things like that, where it's like, yes, uh, to me, it doesn't, people say, oh, that's so weird, or that's a coincidence, or how random. It's not. To there me. are no coincidences. Yeah. yeah. You know, so you, you hear a lot of people talking about um, artists and how hard of a life it is to be an artist. And I think one of the first struggles they face or you guys face is you come out of school and now you have these huge loans to pay back, but you just said you graduated, well, to the positive by $50. How did you manage to make it all the way through school without accumulating a lot of student loan debt? I was blessed. My parents made a decision at the right moment to do what we have in Florida, which is Florida prepaid. So I've, I've seen, um, I've experienced life where I have lived in a brick house with white pillars and vines on the side in a, in a golf community. And I've also at the same time been on free and reduced lunch gone. I've, I've went to elementary school in a trailer park, like where I'm from is very, very impoverished. Um, the island I grew up on, my home, I'm very blessed. We've seen a lot though. Um, we've had a lot taken from us from natural disasters, hurricanes, oil spill, you know, and then even in, in family life, I've experienced a lot of um, unfortunate events. And so like everything in life is, is so paradoxical it's parabolic like it it's a wave you know and um i guess i was fortunate to not have accrued loans and it came really close but i always just made it work like i just did you know there were times when i um I was doing like, I was painting paddles for the sorority and fraternity people, like just making 50 bucks here and there. And there was times when I was, um, I did a mural back in my hometown here. And that gave me, you know, several thousand dollars, which I made work for a long time. Um, and, you know, other things as well, just like everything I could do to, get by I did and I've worked a lot of jobs I'll tell you that much I mean I worked at the like the what's it called dining hall I worked as a lot of things oh on campus yeah yeah um but even in college I I couldn't keep a job that much because it was just like I was in the studio minimum 12 hours every day minimum oh wow so it was like Hey, how do you keep a job? <laughs> like it's impossible. Yeah. Plus, I'm just so brazen. Like I'm so I've never been able to even when I did have jobs, 
Okay. The closest thing I ever had to a corporate job, I made the, I was working from home and I was like, it wasn't even corporate. I was working customer service representative on the phones. And my theory was like an hour for them, an hour for me, an hour for them. And I was like, but they're paying me. <laughs> but their theory is eight hours for us. And right. And no breaks. And my theory yeah. was, all right, I'll take one phone call and then I'm going to paint. <laughs> that was, Wait, that was good. So how did that work out for you? I mean, oh, I'll get, we'll get to that, you know. But basically, I was lucky that I didn't, and I was, um, or we just were talking about how luck doesn't exist, right? But you know, I was, I was, I've been blessed, and I made it work. Like, and I didn't do that alone. I made it work. I, there were times when I had people um, who. You know, there's one person that I'm like, he he's going to be the president of these freaking United States. He really is. And he'll have given me like 250 bucks, just like given me more than I had uh, in my bank uh, account. And he believed in me. And so it's like that these are really powerful stories. I recognize that. But, you know, it actually sounds like a lot of what you did was deliberate, though. It wasn't by happenstance, you know, graduating with no student loan debt. That wasn't by happenstance. Uh, taking the customer service job that you thought would give you an hour on the phone and then an hour of freedom to do to do your work. No, I didn't your think thing. that. I knew I just did it anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, like I'm not, I'm clearly not looking for a job, right? Because if I was, I should not, it would be very irresponsible to share that story. Fair enough. But then you also, but you also have a minor in entrepreneurship, right? Right. So, so you, you understand the importance of balancing art with the business side of your oh, art, yeah. not necessarily the business side of doing business with and for someone else, but right. running your own business. Well, I yeah. love doing business with other people. Uh, absolutely. It's just that there's a difference between doing business and having a job. Right. Like having a career and having a job, two different things. Especially if you want to spend 12 hours in the studio. Yeah. And also yeah. that was what was literally required of us. Like, I mean, it was expected. All right, so we just talked about a lot of your talents, but we missed one. You're also a dancer. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, didn't, we didn't even really talk about performance at all, did we? No, so, and an actress as well, right? I've done, I've dabbled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've dabbled. I'll get back into it over the next, like, five years for sure. Um, but, yeah, I started in dance and singing and acting really, really young. It was one of the first of my mediums officially, I was always on stages. I was that toddler, like on a stage singing and not always good. You know what I just found while I was here? You're going to love this. A cassette tape. Okay. My first, my first album, right? Karina, it was Maggie, Karina and Angelica Christmas jingle and more. Okay. Oh, it had man. Christmas jingle, Christmas rock out, Christmas round the corner. Okay. It was just the three. We didn't want to overwhelm. <laughs> we needed the three tracks and it's the best. It's, it's the best. So 
Yeah, I remember deliberately like recording that and dance. Yes, I've just got, I'm starting Point, which is a ballerina's lifelong dream. And I am beginning Point Ballet uh, over the summer. I'm going to do an intensive. And so it'll be every day. And yeah, I mean, that goes into the discipline. Like to me, music and dance are very, very disciplined. And and they give you the ability to flow. But like at the core, it it shows it's the perfect example of balance. Because if you don't know first, second, third, fifth, sixth position, and if you don't know how to play a scale on the piano, you can't make a song. And if you don't know how to do the structure of ballet, like you're not going to be as strong of a dancer in other styles. So to me, it's very similar as what I do in business because I need, you have to have your ideal client profiles, the revenue streams in place. Like you need to have cost structure. What's your value proposition? Like who are your you know, what are the customer relationships? Where are your channels? Like all of the different things of a business model canvas you need. And it's like the words we use, right? Canvas. So to me, it's like you have it set up and then there's room for creativity within that composition. And that's beautiful. That's, that's balanced to me. And, and you know, I'm so glad that you drew the parallel between being an artist and also running a business because if you look at the world today, there's this stereotype that artists are just kind of free flowing and they don't think things through. And and I found that to be the the total opposite. Uh, I think that there's a different way of doing things and artists think differently. But saying that artists are not structured and they can't run businesses, these are the, the common old stereotypes. I think you and a lot of other people you see nowadays with businesses who are artists kind of prove that wrong. But now here comes the interesting question. So now we've just talked about all of the talents that you have, and I think we got them all. I'm not real sure. I'm sure we're missing one or two. But if you had to choose only one, <laughs> only one, which one would it be and why? Damn you. <laughs> I think this is so hard. I I'm know just, that's why I, I asked. It. I'm like the I'm the person that's literally like I choose to not choose, but I'm gonna choose just for you. Okay, just know that this is for you. But um, I would say it has to be voice that I would choose. And it's so hard because I'm like, well, voice and dance are the same because they're both the body. It's the only instrument you need, but they're not the same. And I recognize that. So I'm going to choose voice. And the reason being, because if I have my voice, I can transmute energy through my body. And so I, at least I can ensure that my chakras are aligned. Like the meridian points of the body, I can move energy up and out of the body. So even if I couldn't paint or dance or create in other mediums, at least I know on a physical level that I'm okay for one. And for two, the voice is the most powerful instrument, period. Oh, wow. 
Has anyone ever asked you that question before? No, but I've asked myself that question and then I'm like, I gotta know the answer. Just, just stop, just, just paint. <laughs> no, but yeah. me that. So just know I answered it just for you and you're the only one who's asked. I appreciate that. And well, I told you I was going to ask some questions that might be kind of tough. Yeah. I knew that one was going to be a tough one. Mm -hmm. Most of this I didn't plan at all, but I did write down one or two questions. And that was one uh, because I think you when you talk about the things that you can do, honestly, you make it sound so easy. Oh, I can just sing or I can write or I can play the piano or I can play the oboe. No, you didn't say oboe, but um, the, the things that you can do aren't easy. You make them look easy, but they aren't easy. So um, that that's. To me, that's uh, and I think I told you earlier, I admire that. But I think one thing is and I said this to you earlier, when you show up, you show up as Karina. There, there's no filter. There's there's nothing. It's you 100 percent, no matter what it is that you're doing. So so let me ask you a question. With that said, where do you get your confidence from? I don't know. OK, <laughs> I'm trying to give people the secrets here to confidence. You don't I really know. don't know because I think here's the thing. I am who I always have been. I fair enough. Was I became less confident when I was institutionalized in this life. Yep. And then I had to earn it back by doing the inner work and letting go of the things, the stories that I would cling to that gave me justification to exist. We're shaming you, so much. Yeah. I have to unshame myself. And when you say institutionalized, you mean like the public school system and, and what what do you mean by institutionalized? Yeah, society. I mean, the, uh, the home is an institution. The school system is an institution society itself is an institute like we we operate in institutions you know the corporate world is a great example of an institution and i mean i grew up a wild child i am so that person still i would we i mean so many stories i look around outside and i can just see all of the versions of karina bouncing around out in that yard and I always have been as brazen as I am. Like I remember <laughs> I had near death experiences as a child because of how confident I was. And I know that that has added to like my deep spirituality and ways that I have this like light, um, which I'm conscious of, you know, but I would, it would be like, Karina don't run through the stop sign. And I'd be like, Fuck y'all, like I'm going, you know? And um I would run and I would I would go and I almost I once almost got hit by a truck, but a woman came and saved me. Karina, don't go swimming too far, but I want to. I wanted to be ravaged by the waves. I wanted to just tumble and I got caught in a riptide. And this was a totally separate experience, but the same woman saw me and ran and like swept, yeah. Like saved me. The same woman saved you yeah. twice. Twice. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. So it's like the confidence, it just has always existed within me. 
but there are ways to become more confident because I had to, like I said, I had to earn it back because I was shamed so much um, in so many ways. And a lot of it was, I did to myself. Like we are very, our brains are wired to really like cause harm, but it's because of the external world. Like we, that's not our innate being. Our innate inner being really is free. We just are chained, you know, uh, by all kinds of things, expectations and roles that we play in society. So it's like the role of the artist. I love what the way you said, you know, the stereotype. And this to me is such the perfect opportunity to really break it down. It's like, I studied race in America in college and I studied black feminist and womanist theory in college. And you learn when you read black feminist thought by Patricia Hill Collins, chapter four, controlled images. And she breaks down all of the controlled images of the black woman that were invented. And by definition, a controlled image is designed to attempt to justify oppression. So, for example, I'll just pull it back to the artist because I could go really, really deep into that. And one day we should, we really should. But, um, I think it's important to recognize and to just give credit to like, this is black feminist thought. (laughs) This isn't our original Karina thought. Um, you know, the artist has been oppressed throughout history so much. I mean, the fact that you would not like, no one would ever dream of being like, Robert, will you, you know, audit everything for me? And I just don't pay you. That's fair. Right. Like no one would ever ask you that, but people ask me all the time still to do jobs for free. And I'm literally like, no, (laughs) but there was a time when it's like, oh, but it's good exposure for you. Like as if that's a fair trade. And so artists also have uh, such an important role in society that they need to be from this, from the institution's perspective, false, very false, but it is the way of thinking that they need to be controlled and suppressed because there is nothing more powerful than what art can do in revolution. Well, and I think a big part of it is when it comes to artists, two words come to mind to me and they're they're both counterintuitive, right? So they're appreciated and oppressed at the same time. That's why you see people wanting to get art for free because they they don't necessarily they, they appreciate the art when it's done but they don't appreciate the process that it go, that you have to go through in order to create the art um and i think that's why society casts this this um unfair uh oppressive nature upon artists because i'll tell you i grew up thinking art was just okay you know, because I didn't have an appreciation for it at all, but my father's an artist, right? I've got artists in my family. I think a part of it was I didn't understand or appreciate the process because you see the end result. That's mm-hmm. mostly what you see. But what you don't see is the thinking that occurs to put together what you finally see in the end, the actual physical act of creating whatever it is that occurs. All you see is the end result. And um, I think people 
undervalue it. Yes. I will say, though, I think there's responsibility we all individually can take to break up, break it all down because it doesn't just lie on the artist, but there is a lot, there are a lot of artists I know who are private to a fault, like don't want, mm-hmm. are, too, are very insecure in the process. To me, I've learned that uh, people love seeing the process people i i put out my outtakes i go live when i'm creating like i don't care uh if i screw up i screw up you know but there are artists that i know painters who will only ever share the finished work and i'm like okay that's fine but like people want to be a part of creating so if we make it into a story and share you know that's interesting um in music, like I just had a conversation today, like Bob Marley has some songs that have like six different versions and it's just because he was performing them and put them out and everyone has a different favorite of Mm -hmm. those versions of those songs. And, um, you know, not everyone's going to think the same. So putting out the process, like you're, you're speaking life, you're giving life in that way. And I think that's important. So the artists, a lot of the time, I think, um, have a lot of room to grow out of the insecurity. Now that insecurity came from something. And a lot of the times that's because of the way that society has treated us and treated people. And it's very, very deep. Like it goes back really, 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 really far to like the Catholic church. And like, that was the only thing artists were allowed to do was to be, um, you know, basically like, a slave to the machine or you were not an artist at all. Like you didn't create in that way. You were doing something, you were a different kind of slave to the same machine. (laughs) Like literally. (laughs) Well, if you think about it, it kind of mirrors today though, because you either conform to what society wants you to do and or be, or they ridicule you, talk about you and ostracize you. Hence the whole Starving artist syndrome, right? So, yeah, and the jokes on everyone though, because they're gonna try to do both of those anyway. Yeah. Yep. So, what do we do? Well, we could be brazen, and you know that's how I see it. It's like, you think they're not gonna try to get me to conform in the music industry with this thick of a contract telling me what I can't post on social media? Yeah, right. But people trade that because they're afraid, you know, they're, they trade that for security. They trade that for protection. They trade that for image. Right. But in the same, and in the same vein, it's like, you think that um, you're secure when you have a job. Right. Not. So yeah, it's like a whole big joke, but the, the, the scariest thing we can do is the most liberating thing. And um, it's to love ourselves and to just like do what makes us happy in a day. Yeah, well, and at the end of the day, that security is not really secure. So now I, I saw this one time you actually got a check and you tore it up. Yeah. Okay. You know, and to me, that that's one of the ultimate signs of I don't need money for something that goes against what I stand for and or believe in. Talk talk about that. Tell us what led up to that. And I know it anyway, just I'll shut up. Talk about no, that. Like, it's a great it's a great story. So it was the beginning of this year. It might have been February. I 
maybe it was January. I was um, about to do a commission for a very big sports institution in the US. Um, it was through a third party. So it wasn't directly this league, but it was, you know, close. Um, and it was at the end of the day, it was for them, right? And they wanted me to do twice the amount of work for half the price. And that went against our initial conversations, what we had spoken about. And I felt desperate. So I was like, okay, fine, just freaking give me the check. It's been months and I haven't heard anything. Um, and they sent me the check and I got it and I just looked at it and I had been having a conversation with a LinkedIn connection in Trinidad and Tobago, Jamaica, And <laughs> she and I had been in the same situation. Like she was waiting on a check. I was waiting on a check. We didn't know what we were going to do. How's it going to come? All that stuff. And I just remember like holding the check and looking at it and just being like, I'm really not going to take this, am I? Um, and so I just like took the check and I made a video and I just was like, I can see how scared I was. Like when you see me in the video, you probably like think, oh wow, she's being so brave, but like courage energetically on a physical level. Like if you look at power versus force by David Hawkins, courage is like one step above fear. And that's the one step that trades from force, all low level energy into power, which is high level energy. So I was just like doing that transition on video and the check said void and I ripped it. And I just said, you know, this is a celebration because this is the first time and in my career that I'm standing for my worth and the last time I am ever compromising my value. And I ripped up the check and, you know, that was in the beginning of the year and that same week I inevitably joined Clubhouse and I invested in Growth Academy and I started the 21 day challenges. So this was actually later on. This was March, I guess. Um, and I inevitably like built a community and sold NFTs using Clubhouse. If I kept painting, I would have been too busy to be on social media. I would have been too busy to be on LinkedIn, too busy, um, you know, doing work. And it was the right choice. And that's, that isn't even the scariest of those situations that I've been in. Those, the harder one was last year around the same time, actually. Oh, so wait, so what happened last year? So in 2020, so I, here's the timeline. So I had graduated. I was living in Jake and Suzanne's house who, by the way, are physicists and like taught me so much that ended up growing my work even more because I work with physics and art a lot. So I'm living with them and then their house falls apart. Like the roof literally fell, <laughs> like not the whole, not all the way through, but like enough to where I had to leave. Right. Um, so, and I came and lived back at home for my birthday month, November, December, and then new year's day, my lease started in St. Pete and I moved to my studio apartment. And then I moved to studio apartment first week of January. 
I was working my nine to five job remotely already, just like the whole time I was working remotely. The customer service job? Right. From the phones, right? Painting at home. Like it was a, yeah, it was not real. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was making it work. And then the pandemic started. And the week that the pandemic started, that company was trying to get us to start for the first time working in person. Oh. Yeah. So they wanted us to work in person because they were scheduled to open and they didn't want to lose more money on the building they were already losing money from. Gotcha. Yeah. And, um... I was like, uh, y'all have been, have y'all been like, y'all know what's going on? Cause I'm freaking out. <laughs> and they were like, okay, well, you know, we'll just see, like, we're going to keep you as long as we can. We're going to see you, you can work, you know, from home still. And we'll just see what happens. AKA they were planning on firing me. And, um, meanwhile I had been like building my own website that's what I was sort of doing. I was like building my website while they were paying me instead and, of working. Um, yeah. I mean, I was answering the phone here and there, but I was just like really freaking out because like, you know, I knew if something wasn't right. It just felt, I, I gotta say too, like in the beginning of January, like I had a really, really, really intense episode of just like crying, crying, crying. And I didn't understand, but I knew it was like, something's going on in this world right now. Like I feel it, something's happening. Like, and it, I was right. <laughs> like I felt it. So I don't know. Um, but the point is I, so a lot of these things started happening and then I was working one day and they called me on a Friday and at five and she told me I had to choose like, are you going to come and work in person or are you going to quit? Oh, wow. And so I was like, I mean, can I, can we talk on Monday? Like it was Friday at five. Um, and she said, yeah, that they would give me until Monday. And then Monday morning rolled around. And the first thing I saw when I checked my phone was my mom had sent me an advertisement from the company. And it was a video, it was a screen recording of a video of a commercial they had put out and it was racist as hell. I mean, it was really fucked up. They put out this, this was a medical marijuana dispensary. Okay. Um, it was, a, the commercial was of a black woman with kids running around screaming in the background. She's cussing them out. Okay. Yeah. And then she's like, I gotta get these kids under control. And she goes on her phone and she orders a bunch of weed. Okay. And they, the CEO goes to the house and delivers it in person himself and pulls down his mask and is like, I'm the savior. Like he didn't say that, but they might as well have. And then they, even when the weed like went, or I should say cannabis went into the cart, it was like, Oh, like angel sounds. I was like, this is the most, I've studied this. Okay. So it was like, I saw that right before I caught, like what would have worked, you know, clocking in. Um, and 
then <laughs> they told me that they had already hired my replacement over the weekend, even though they said I could go till, till Monday. And I was just like, you know what? That is for the best because had I been, had I gone into work today and saw that things would have ended a lot worse. Like, wow. And that was, that was just weird. Weird. That, that was weird. But that was your last job with a, company quote unquote though right well that is my last ever job there you go there you go it had to end like that though for me yeah um there's no going back from that and i was just livid like there was no doubt in my mind that that was the wrong like or right decision i don't remember how to phrase that but i knew that was the right thing to do to walk away and i needed to see clearly separate from myself I needed to see institutionally why I could not bear to be around that name or affiliated with that company ever again. Because if it was just about me and my desperation at that point in time, because I was insecure foundationally, I will, I don't know what I would have done. I would, I would have been willing to compromise my own safety for a trade. But when I saw that there was no, 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 no. So what I ended up doing though, and this is really, really important is that I was, I freaked out for a little while. Um, but I continued working and moving forward and building my own business. And I just, it didn't make any financial sense at the time, but I just was like, we are going to do a black lives matter mural here. And we did. So at the same, and I'm not claiming that was me. I'm just saying that like, I know that I, I reached out to the beginning stages and, and doing like the meetings with the St. Pete Arts Alliance and the African American History Museum. And like, those are some of the closest people to me in my heart, at least. Um, but now you're sitting here with a studio apartment in St. Pete and no job and no money. And now you just got to hustle, right? Yeah. So and was, what happens now? I did something. I, I marketed out of desperation. Okay. So I, I tried doing like Mother's Day cards because it was the first of May that I got let go um, or that I quit or however you want to call it, the ultimatum day. And um, yeah, I was like, okay, maybe I'll just like do Mother's Day cards. And I like tried to sell them for like, I don't even know, five bucks a pop or something. Like, what? Like, that's not even what I do. Um, and it was just like, I DM'd this generic message to everyone. People like were responding to me like, what is this? You know, but I, I did the classic mistake. Like I was desperate. And so I just like did that. It was the only time I ever needed to make that mistake though. I'll definitely learn from that. Um, and then I don't know, I just kept moving. I just kept going and I started applying for a bunch of grants I'd had a couple of months expenses saved up. I, I know I did have that much. And then to be honest, I can't even really tell you. I know I got little project here, little project there. I ended up managing to do some, get some um, unemployment and stuff. And I just made that work. Um, and a lot of the time I just was scared. Like I was really afraid, but that was the time that I got really, really still. And I just started meditating and praying and, um, you know, making things happen. And 
I started posting on LinkedIn every day and building a community of people. And I started saying like, I'm going to be okay through other relationships with people. They, they saw me, even though they saw me and not my circumstances. Yeah. And then as you started posting and, and building your community, you started building some financial strength. You started getting projects and clients and, and, so talk about that. What was the what was the first project you got that was the one that just made you say, I can do this? I DM'd my friend who's in the NFL and he had bought an art piece from me when we were in college. And I told him, I sent him everything has a purpose. I sent him the mock-ups for the other projects that I was going to do the check that I inevitably ripped up. And I said, you know, I could do this for football too. And he was like, I, you want me to deposit you right now? Like he sent me, he just sent me 200 bucks just cause, and then it ended up being like several thousand dollars of a project that tided me over for a while. Um, and you know, that one I landed and that gave me a little bit of security. And then I ended up ripping up the check and then, a lot of other things have happened, but the whole, I never stopped. I started designing my business model in January of last year. I was like, my business is my next art piece. Like, how do I, how am I going to compose this? And today my business model is the same as that only it's just way more evolved and it's continuing to evolve. You know, I like that though. You just said my business was my next art piece. And that's a legacy art piece that will, I will return back to that painting the rest of my life. Wow. Wow. I'm trying to, I'm trying not to laugh because now I'm thinking about what you said a few minutes ago. You said that was my last job and you were very um, confident and secure in that. And I, I believe it it will be your very last job because now you're doing a lot of different things. Um, you're doing a lot now, even on LinkedIn, you're uh, uh, doing like banner design work. I've seen mm -hmm. some of that. Uh, how's that going? It's going really well. Um, I've, I've, been, I've benefited a lot just from getting to know the people because with it comes a consultation and we just sit down and I just learn about like, what's your company's purpose? Like, what's your purpose? What are your core values? Like, who are you and why are you doing this? You know, um, understanding like who are their ideal clients. And I've gotten to really get to know individuals in my network that way to a point where I get to be very selective now. Who, who am I designing with? Uh, and it's definitely people who I see share similarities in spirit. You know, just like in the state of being as as I am, uh, that we can connect in that way. And it's beautiful. Um, so that's been interesting. And that was part of the model that I initially designed. So I've got a lot of different things that, that happen. I've got, but I, I have a clarity now and understanding all that it is. It's like I've got, yes, I'm a performer that drives the most engagement and soon it's going to start driving money too. Cause I've been immersing myself in the community. Um, and I have my original art pieces, which are high level luxury collectible items. So there's a very specific kind of person who's going to invest in an oil painting for 
thousands and thousands of dollars or a sculpture that's a one of a kind that will appreciate and become like a piece of generational wealth, basically. That's not gonna be your average buyer. So then I have my merchandise, which is going to be something super utility-based, accessible to the average person. Anyone can buy a hoodie, anyone can buy a coffee mug or a mask with my design on it. And then similarly, the book kind of goes in there with the shop. I have corporate consultations, which I can do, you know, things like if I want to logo design um, or the LinkedIn banner images to get to know people in corporate much better. And then I've got also offers for consultations and creative direction for companies and corporations, which I've done some of that. And that's really cool to me because I love the business side of things. Right. And then in addition to that, I'm building out a whole curriculum. So I'll be doing workshops soon where the workshops are mostly video pre-recorded Bob Ross type stuff. Like here's how uh, you use yeah. your perspective, like teaching people art, how to do art. But then there's going to be the live training version that is Brazen Academy. And that's going to build out. And so your daughter is the perfect person for this because it's like, I will teach this method of creation, which I've coined, which is meditation, ideation, creation method. And it goes very deep within it. I teach people how to extrapolate ideas, how to take something from an idea state, sit with it, and then create it and bring it into the physical, whatever it is. So Brazen Academy is, it's for artists, but it's for anyone because brazen is to be bold and without shame and i realize not everyone is a creator in the artistic sense but we all have the ability to be creative and it does take a level of shamelessness yeah well and i, and I think you're right because just during this conversation uh you said a lot that really shows how you kind of evolved one of the earlier questions i asked you how did you get to be the way that you are, how did you get the confidence? And I, I like what you said about it was always there. Mm -hmm. So what that tells me is you had a home where being outspoken and just being you was cultivated. It was not punished. And then you get to the world, well, maybe not punished too badly, but then you get out into the world and you're kind of punished for it. And then you said you had to rebuild it. You had to get it back. But now that you've gotten it back, you've been able to determine what you want to do in life and what you don't want to do. But then on top of confidence, it took a lot of courage to just say, screw it. Yeah. This is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. Look out, world. Don't try to stop me. And I think a lot of people, it takes them years to get beyond the indoctrination and programming you know, usually it takes anywhere from 10 to 20 years to get to a point where you're now confident and you're saying, wait a minute, all this stuff I did was crazy and stupid. I should be doing what I really wow. love. But I think you've hit that point so much faster than uh, most people. And even the design that you've got set up for your life, whether it works or not, who cares? I'm pretty sure it's going to work. But yeah, well, it works parts of it will work and parts of it will not. And that's why right. I want to see. Like, and then you adjust. Yeah. yeah. I'll yeah. say too something that's really interesting um, about what you just said. I've noticed you what you just said made me reflect on how I've changed even in this past month or two. 
um, or how I've healed parts of myself even in this past month or two. Because you said, I'm going to do what I want. Watch out, world. Don't try to stop me. And that used to be the way I was. Like, don't don't try to stop me. Like, you know, if you try to stop me, like, you'll see. Um, I've been learning. I learned something really, really valuable. And I would be remiss to not speak on where I'm at and level of performance right now because it's been a beautiful evolution. Like, I've been introduced to some incredible souls in the music industry. One being um, the founder of an organization called aimfortheheart.org and Layla Seinberg and Tupac Shakur were the people that founded that organization. And Layla was his first mentor and you know, manager to Tupac's. Um, so when y'all were quoting Tupac, <laughs> I was dying laughing. Um, but, you know, there's huge responsibility that goes with being an artist in the next generation of that group of artists. And we do weekly workshops and we write on topic. And every week leading up to Pac's birthday, which is this coming week, yep. for the past 21 weeks, Asher Underwood, and Layla and some incredible people that I've befriended through this podcast have been putting out an episode each week, really breaking down the, his lyricism, the stories, um, you know, the constructs of Tupac's image in the industry, talking about his death, talking about all kinds of things. Um, and this last Wednesday, yeah, on Wednesday, they were doing an episode and the motif was Black Jesus and they were breaking down a lot of different things. But one thing was said that really resonated with me and it was talking about embracing the political component. Just like those words, embracing the political component. I've really sat with that. And um, there was a part of me at one point in time that was like, don't try to stop me. But now I understand that like that is a pointless feet to try to say don't try to stop me because they're gonna try so the only thing I can do is without pulling myself too far out of the present moment knowing like they're gonna try to stop me so how, how am I gonna react like having an understanding and a game plan in place to just be and not allow anything to impact my energetic state of being. To always operate out of love. Because the only reason why anyone would try to stop you is to pull you down to a fear level. Because, and when you're in love, you can't, you're not going to not be okay. Yeah. Uh, you hit it with the fear. I was about to say, people fight what they fear, but then they also fear what they don't know. So they fear the unknown. Right. And when you look at Pac, I think it's I think it's I think it's uh, June 16th, I believe, is his birthday. Okay. Um, so it's it, when you look at Pac and everything that he did, he was a true artist. I mean, he went to a school for the performing mm-hmm. arts mm-hmm. and everything he did was fearless. But like you just said, his was like. Don't you dare try to stop me, you know, versus come on, stop me but I'm still here anyway. He was, he was very angry in his approach. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's very powerful what you just said, when you operate in love, 
none of that can really bother you. Uh, but I do understand why he was angry. Uh, I get it. I I grew up listening to him in that time period with him. Um, and you know, though, it's um, it he is why I can sit here and say that's why I said I'd be remiss because if it wasn't for his teachings and if it wasn't for Layla sitting down and saying like, she is amazing to me because she has said, you know, we screwed up. She says that consistently. She said, we screwed up. He should still be here. That stuff should have never happened, but we got wrapped up in the industry. And, you know, the way I see it is like they got wrapped up in in the images and and the money and um and so many other factors that I don't understand and I wouldn't I wouldn't even try to speak on because I would just want to listen you know um but the point is I even in the past couple of months I only have that clarity because the work that Pac did and his impact that he continues to have. And the organization that she and he put together and the fact that I've been embraced as one of the only white people in that space too, to be able to be accepted and included into that space to sit, to listen, to learn, to share, to make mistakes, to be better for those mistakes, to create in line with the messages that he has put out. And now I have a song that quotes him. I have a couple of songs that quote him and I'm producing them with producers in the space. None of it is, it's all interconnected. And that goes really, really, really deep. Like it goes to love, like one love, one love. Love is the organic code of the universe. Love is vibrational. Love is a frequency. Love is a state of being. There is one love, it's oneness. There's one organism, it's Gaia. It's this body of earth that we exist on. Humans are like a speck of dust on a single eyelash of the body, which is the earth. We are very, very, very small as particles in this existence and that is humbling. And we have to be able to recognize that but we also must recognize that not everyone's going to recognize that. And so they're going to try to be political and it can be very dangerous for a person who doesn't understand the responsibility there. And so I must embrace the political component. I know that not every artist has this path. Most artists do sit in the studio and just create on their own and that's okay. I just am aware that I'm called for something different and deep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. So I know that went early. The the Tupac thing just got me. I mean, I we we'll have to talk later. I yeah. That that again, I lived during that time period. I, I was just right there in the thick of it but uh but anyway so now tell the folks what what are you working on that might be of interest to some of our people listening you got a lot going on 
Yeah. What do you want to leave people with? What are you working on that make that would make them want to say, you know, I want some art by CDK? I'll say we should have conversation about what your company's doing. And so I would like to take on um, more LinkedIn banner images in this next month designs so where I can sit down and really understand what you do. Right. So I would want to start there and also say that I've been getting my hands back into paint and I've been creating beautiful compositions and it's been bringing me a lot of joy. So those are my two main focuses. Also just sprinkle in there that if you're interested in immersive technology and the development of the NFT space that I have a lot of education on that. And so even if you don't know what you would want to do, I am a place you can go to learn about that. All right. So let's touch on each of these just a little bit. So with LinkedIn banners, your banner is like, it's like your entrance way to your home, right? Yes. Your banner tells people who you are on LinkedIn. And a lot of people think that they can go to uh, uh, one of your popular graphic programs and just slap one up together and put it up on their LinkedIn profile. But dealing with Miss Karina Dorothy Krell, what you get is a consultation, someone who's going to sit down, talk to you, figure out the goals and objectives of your business and design something that is uniquely mm-hmm. you. And um, so that speaks to who you're trying to speak to in the way that you want to be received. So like, I understand psychologically, I've studied color theory, I've studied shape, texture, all the elements of art, and I understand how art is perceived. So working with a professional to help, you get approximately that much time to impact someone when they go to your LinkedIn page. So it better be good, right? And, um, you know, I am different than like Fiverr or anyone else that you would hire too, because like, I'm going to keep going back and forth until you're thrilled, but usually it only takes one time. Right, right. Well, and I imagine the same thing holds true for like the oil paintings. You sit down and consult with people and figure out oh, what yeah. it is that they're looking for. Yeah. yeah. But I'll say too, just one more thing about the LinkedIn banner. This is unexpected, but when I first started, I've started seeing results like don't trust opinions, trust numbers, right? So right. like the first four days of one of my first clients having hers up, she increased her profile visits went up 75% in four days and she runs a corporate events company. So that's huge, right? To be getting that much more attention, especially on the beginning phases for her. So that was amazing. So that was an amazing metric. And I've been seeing similar results. People are sending me screenshots of people asking, who are you getting to do the designs? Like that's nice. So that's cool. But yeah, in terms of the oil paintings and stuff, it really depends on what the collector is looking for because there are different needs that we all have. Some people have needs for um, to be surprised and some people have the need to be like really in a part of the process. So really it just kind of goes down to what the client is in need of. Um, some people really want people hire me to create a fine art piece for themselves because they have an essence or a vision that they want to bring to life that they don't know how to do themselves. 
Um, and so that's a very spiritual experience that requires a lot of collaboration. And I love doing that. So now if they want to get in touch with you, where can we find you? You can text me um, or call me. My phone number is in my bio. You can email me. It's CDK. That's my initials of the company at KarinaCrail.com. My first and last name.com. You can go to my website. It's going to be built out totally different in the next four to five weeks. Um, so just know that, but you can reach out to me and you can look at some of my work there, but really just reaching out to me directly is the best way I want. I want to have a conversation with you. So let's just do that. All right. Well, thank you for being a guest on the corporate quitters podcast, Karina. I have had such a blast. Thank you for listening. Like, I feel like I just got to tell so many cool stories because of you. you. We like the cool stories that are holding you back. And we're out. <laughs>